0: Genesis chapter 3, we're looking at the fall of man here this evening. We've looked at the creation of man, man being put into the garden. The commission that Adam, of course, was given, we're going to read over here again in verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So he had a purpose there being in the garden. He was to tend and to keep it. We have been called to be guards of our lives. We've been called to be guards of the Word that God has given us. We've been called to be guards of the commandments that our Lord has given us. And we have to make sure that we guard them with the same ferocity that we expected Adam to have guarded with. But of course he didn't. And it's real easy for us Stay back here and say, well, he should have guarded this, he should have done that, he should have done these things. And then us not do it ourselves. That's not so good. We want to make sure that we stand as much on guard in our our lives as we expected that he would have done in his. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may Freely eat Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That is the command that God gave to Adam. Not to Eve. Just to Adam. Now, a verse of Scripture we've looked at many times before in Philippians 4 and verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here we have this guarding concept again. But be anxious for nothing. This is what the Word of God has told us. Be anxious for nothing. Does that leave any room for us to be anxious for anything? No. Be anxious for nothing. How's that worked in your life? How many times have we got anxious for things? And yet the Word of God says, so when I become anxious for something, what happens to my garden? I've let it down. And I am letting something in that I should not let in. Anxiety. So in the same way that Adam should have kept the serpent or the the, uh, Satan out of the garden, we should be keeping anxiety out of our lives. And yet, though the Word of God says very clearly, be anxious anxious for nothing. Yet we do. We become anxious. We become anxious about jobs. We become anxious about money. We become anxious about situations. We become anxious about friends. We can become anxious about all kinds of things. But it says, be anxious for nothing. So what should we do instead? But in everything, so be anxious for nothing, but in everything. So anxiety should have nothing. Prayer and supplication should have everything. So if everything is on the prayer and supplication side, then what is on the anxiety side? Nothing. So if there is something on the anxiety side, there is no longer nothing there. Right. So as soon as we become anxious for anything, we are no longer anxious for nothing. nothing. As soon as we become anxious for something, we are no longer by prayer and supplication for everything. Because something is on this side. So that's how the scale is to be tipped. Nothing. Everything. And we need to stand guard to make sure that that's how it stays. Now it's really easy to tell. Because it's not like some things and other things on this side. And we have to decide which things should be on this side and which things should be on that side. We don't have to worry about that. All you have to do is nothing. Everything. So as soon as I see something on this side, I know it's wrong. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. There's our word for Sunday mornings. With thanksgiving. So, everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Is there thanksgiving on the anxiety side? Well, nothing's supposed to be there anyway, is there? (laughs) Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But I first have to stand guard... On the anxiety part. On the prayer and supplication part. And the peace of God will stand guard on the other things. For the the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But I still have to do that that part. This is just one verse of Scripture, of course. Be anxious for nothing. But it shows how hard it is sometimes for us to keep and tend things. It's not always as easy as it sounds. Sure, it seems easy for us looking back over there with... Uh, Our buddy, Adam. Why didn't you just kick him out? Why didn't you just tell him no? Why didn't you let him mess around? It's so easy for us to say that. It seems that what God has delegated, He does not seem to pick up again. Doesn't that seem to be that way? When God puts things in our hands, He doesn't seem to take that back. When the command is given to us to be anxious for nothing, it doesn't seem like God steps in and stops us from being anxious for nothing doesn't seem to help out that way. God does His part. Once He delegates it, it's your part. we got to make sure we get it done. So, that's not to be too quick to judge Adam and these things because we undergo some of the same problems and face some of the same hardships that he did and some of the same failures. But in verse 1 of chapter 3, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And He said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Has God indeed said? That's that real long blank line. I actually had some spaces in there and I accidentally took them out. But has God indeed said? Has God indeed said be anxious for nothing? Has God indeed said there's no place for anxiety in your life? Has God indeed said did everything by prayer and supplication? Has God indeed said everything with thanksgiving? How easy it is for us to have these questions come into our own minds when we begin to question the Word of God ourselves. Has God really said it that way? How many times have we had an understanding of the Word of God, and that understanding worked fine until we ran into a problem? (laughs) And we ran into a choice, and I like that other choice over there. Has God indeed said, you know, we're okay with tithing? Tithing's fine. Oh, God, thank God for the blessings of tithing. Thank God that every time I give, He gives back to me. And then we get into the car dealership and we see how much better this car over here is than this one that we could afford, but all I have to do is not tithe anymore. Has God indeed said, Thou shalt. <laughs> hmm. Has God really said that? Oh, how easy it is for us to. Come up and and do those things, isn't it? And it goes for all kinds of areas in our life. Anxiety, tithing, just a couple of them. Has God indeed said, I should think of only good and good things? Has God indeed said that that's all my meditation should be about? Has God indeed said that Thanksgiving should be coming out of my mouth always? Has God really said all? Is He meaning always, really? <laughs> but isn't this how it comes to us? Has God indeed said, and then Eve's answer, the woman said to the serpent, "We may eat the fruit of the f- trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now we've assumed that Adam has added to the commandment, <laughs> not that Eve would have added to it, maybe you know maybe she did, maybe she's trying to get the emphasis to the over to the to the devil. But it would seem that since it was told to Adam and Adam told it to her, that maybe the embellishment was probably on Adam's part. And so he's just going up, you know, much like moms do with with kids. Dads don't do this with kids. Moms do this with kids. They embellish. Don't do that. You could break your neck. Right? What are dads doing? Get out there and try again. Come on, man. What are you doing? (laughs) We're just on the wrong side of the street on that a lot of times. But moms, you know... Yeah, we we get in. Moms get in there. You know, my wife and I we go back and forth on this all the time because, you know, I'm in there firing Christian up to get out there and do some stuff, and she's trying to cool him down. <laughs> and now I get back in there and I fire him back up again, and then she gets in there and tries to cool him back down again. he goes back and forth with all this sort of stuff. You know, jump. It won't hurt. <laughs> it. yeah rub some dirt on it, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> mm. But uh, so, sometimes we embellish things, don't we? Now, if you do that, this could happen. We've never seen that happen. But it could happen. We embellish some things just to try and get it to not happen. So when we embellish it and it doesn't happen when they try it, then they begin to think, oh, maybe the whole thing's not right. You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, understand this is music to Satan's ears. Because he loves it when people get the Word of God wrong. Because he knows the Word of God. you got to know it to twist it. You have to know it to twist it. You can't just twist it. You have to know it. So he knows the Word of God and he knows how to twist it. And he loves it when he hears people quote the Word of God wrong or give a wrong understanding of it because he can work with that. you got a right understanding and you stay with the right understanding. He has a hard time with that. He has to get in there and somehow get some corruption. Something needs to be corrupted. That's what he needs to do. How many of y'all know when your cars left the factory, (laughs) they worked? Didn't they? I mean everything on it. It worked just fine. There were no transmission problems. The the oil was brand new. The gas tank was full. The fuel filter was clean. The interior of the car was spotless. Had that new car smell. All the lights worked. No extra noises. I mean, it worked. But then after a while, you've had it, and it doesn't always work as well. Now, sometimes you have that car for a year, sometimes you have it for five years, sometimes you have it for ten years, however long it is. But when you first got it, it was working, wasn't it? So what happens? Well, you know, you put fuel into the car, and the car burns fuel, but it doesn't necessarily burn everything, and that's why you have a fuel filter, and, but sometimes the line can get clogged, and... The fuel filter can get clogged and water builds up in the gas tank from condensation. How many of you all like to keep your gas tank on empty so you're not (laughs) spending all that money and putting all that money in the fuel tank? Because if you fill up your tank, you know that's all that money sitting there in the fuel (laughs) and not doing any good for you. However, if you do that, you have brought a, a problem for your car because your car is made to run on a full tank of gas. I don't know if everybody knows that. Running on, a, on less than a full tank of gas is bad for your car because you allow air into the gas tank, which also allows water vapor. And water mixes, once it mixes and you get cold weather like this, you have a cold weather especially, fill up your gas tank. It is bad news to not fill up your gas tank. Keep it full because whatever air is in there, the moisture that is in it is coming out and it goes right into your gas. And you're just like, what would you do if you would you open up your fuel tank and mix water into your fuel? You know better than that. But if you keep less than a full tank of gas, you are mixing water with your fuel. So you go over to the Pet Boys and you'll see a little container that says dry gas. Anybody ever seen that? That's why you put that stuff in there, because it helps to absorb the water that builds up in there from condensation. But water is not good for your gas tank itself, it's not good for your fuel line, it's not good for your gas tank, it's also not good for your engine. All these things have problems with water. And you thought you were helping yourself out by keeping your gas tank a little bit lower. You're not. You're hurting your car. Fill it up. (laughs) Maybe you'd say, well, I wish they wouldn't have given me such a big tank. You wouldn't say that on your trips. And this is a real good time of year, folks, to have your gas tank full. Gives you more weight, which helps you maneuver on icy conditions and things like that. So anyway, that's our little guess. (laughs) <laughs> car lesson for the for the day. Keep your guest tank full. Helps your car out. But all these things come against your car, and they begin to work on it and corrode things. And oil becomes corroded and becomes dirty. All these things begin to have have it happen, and it's it's just because it's working. It's just because it's going through the emotions of things. And as you begin to work the word, you begin to have the word encounter life and the life that you are facing. And sometimes it seems like the Word that you know doesn't quite fit the life that you live. And you begin to try to make some adjustments to what you know so that it fits the life that you live. And that's how the Word can become corrupted. Don't let the Word of God become corrupted. Hang on to it. You know, we lost some, uh, some people this year. Billy Joe Daugherty was one. He died. I don't know. He was in his 50s somewhere. I forgot. I was told the the age... He's 50 something. 57. Now that's just too young to die, right? Now he's in a better place, but I'm sure he would have preferred to have been down here. Those folks that go to that church would have preferred he would have remained down here. I know that was in his goal and what he was believing for. But it didn't go that way, and he died. So sometimes we encounter situations like that, and we begin to think, oh, well, maybe healing's not for all. Maybe God doesn't heal us from all of our diseases. And this is where we encounter life and we begin to adjust the Word. You cannot adjust the Word. You keep believing. What does the Word of God say? Don't adjust the Word for your life. Make your life fit into the Word. There are going to be people who die that you don't know why. Just understand, people are going to die you're not going to know why. Sometimes it's not for you to know. But there's always a reason. But we just don't always know what the reasons are. Most times it's none of our business. Why why was it Billy Joe already died? I don't know. Could be a good reason. Could be a not so good reason. I don't know what the reason is. I don't need to know. I just go on. I just keep on believing the Word of God. And that's what we need to do. But when we encounter life, it is easy for the Word of God to become corrupted. Don't let the Word of God become corrupted. Don't adjust the Word to your life. Don't allow water vapor, water condensation to build up in your gas tank, so to speak. Keep driving through life the way you go. So you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now he picks up from this that she has an understanding that she will die physically. And he happens to know that she will not. So he can play with that. Oh, you think you're going to die? Well, let me just show you a few little things here. <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, he gets there to just pick it. You're touching it. You're not dying. You're still alive. Oh, yeah. It is good. It does look good. I haven't tried one of these pieces of fruit yet. I bet you there's a whole lot of other trees around the garden they had not tried yet either. <laughs> but this is the one that has their interest right now. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will Be like God, knowing good and evil. Now here's the unique thing about them. They only knew good. They did not know evil. They were only empowered to do good. That was it. They were not empowered to do evil. Only good. Once they ate of the tree, they became empowered to do good and evil. What a shame. I mean, if you could go out there and buy a car and you could have a car that would only run. Or a car that would break down or run. (laughs) Which one would you rather have? I mean, think on it. Hmm. Only run, break down and... I mean, there's more opportunity on the breakdown and run side. I mean, you get the, the car that runs all the time, all it does is run. I mean, there's no challenge at all here. But here this one breaks down and it runs. There's some challenges we can face on that. Boy, that sounds fun. Would you would you take that car? You would take the one that runs all the time. And that's what they were faced with, but they just didn't know it. They had a they had a car that would run all the time. And the devil's basically saying you can have one that'll break down and run. Because God's keeping you from the fact of what it's like to have a car that breaks down. You'll never know the joy of having a car that breaks down and you get to get inside and fix it. You'll never know that if you only stay with this one because this one never breaks down. But this one will do both. You can have the knowledge of good and evil. Now, what they really should have done with this was just tabled it. If they didn't know enough to fight the devil on this, they should have just tabled it. Well, you know what? That's very interesting. I've never heard this before. And I know God's going to be showing up here in just a little bit. Because he shows up here every day, we have a walk and talk, and and, th- and we'll talk this over with him and find out. <laughs> that wouldn't work well with the devil at all. He knows that would be, that would bring it to exposure. Most things that are done in a hurry are done for wrong reasons. Most everything that's done in a hurry is done for wrong reasons. Never get in a hurry. I mean, if you get in there, car dealership, car dealerships are notorious for this. If you make this deal now, not tomorrow, what's it going to take to make you take, go, take this car home today? What's it going to take? I want you to decide now. We don't want you to go home and sleep on it or, or come back more because they know more than likely you're not going to. Urgency. We want you to do it now. The devil, a lot of times, will put urgency on his things. You must decide on this now. Now you must decide on it. How many times have we been forced into decisions? Because of an urgency. We ran into that last year with the government. Remember that the government's telling us, you know, everything's gonna fall apart and the whole economy's gonna fall apart unless we pass this TARP bill. You know that most of the funds for TARP were never spent? Never spent and hardly any of them were spent on what it was supposed to be done for. And then they went on back through and they said, Well everything seems to be taken care of, we're gonna use the money for something else now. We're going to help uh, you know, put some money into the hands of the banks, so they'll loan more. Well, they didn't do that, and they still haven't spent all the TARP money. And so then they decided, well, we're going to do some other things with that, with that. and they've actually been buying off senators to get them to pass the health care with money left over from the TARP funds and money left over from the stimulus. Did you all know that? Did you all hear about these certain senators who are getting millions of dollars for their state, for their project, for this, if they would vote for the uh, health care bill? They went around they bought them all off with the money from the TARP and the money from the uh, stimulus bill that they hadn't spent yet. Because they've only spent 14% of the stimulus bill that if they didn't get it passed now, they were going to run into trouble. They've only spent a small percentage of the TARP funds even though if we don't get it now, we're all going to crumble. And now they have all that money to spend on whatever it is they want to and to pay off whoever they want to to get them to vote whenever, whatever they want to. Go look it up. You, I mean, the, the, the figures are there. And they're real easy to find. 14% of the stimulus money has been spent. 14%. And most of it went to states to help them out. But we got to do it now. It's urgent. If we don't do it now, don't ever get caught up into an urgency. Always there is time. Because once again, the Word of God said in Philippians 4, but in everything, yeah. So what Eve is doing here is she is anxious about this decision, isn't she? I need to do this now. But if, if we just wanted to part, now she didn't have Philippians in her hand at the time. We understand that. But if she just would have said, you know, God's going to show up here in a minute. Right, let's, let's talk, come on over with us. You can come with us too. And you, we can we can all talk about this thing and figure it out. What was the urgency of having to eat the fruit then? Were they that starving? I mean, really, there was no urgency. No one's dying here of of, uh, starvation. There's no scarcity of food. There's plenty of food. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about getting a new car. Don't be anxious in the car dealership. Don't be anxious in any of those places. Just glory to God get there, we get there. It's okay. If not, there's another car right after this one. They didn't just make one. They've made other ones. Car dealership's telling you, this is the last one we have, like what you want. That's alright. There'll be another one. Probably be even better. Don't be anxious. So she, she didn't understand what the, what the will of God was in this thing. She didn't understand what God had really said. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So he, of course, was there. So everything that she's looking at here is circumstantial. It's apart from the Word of God. It's circumstantial. Now, I didn't fill this part of it in there for you, but Eve's understanding of the commandment is different from what God spoke God's command was given to Adam you will not surely die see you're missing something there's something more for you to have here you're missing something God is keeping you from the good stuff some great things out there and you're missing out on it because you're holding on to this word shall not touch the tree, shall not eat the tree but look at it, it's a good tree. Nothing wrong with this tree. Nothing on this tree that's going to hurt you. The Word in you will be tested. The Word in you will be tested. Parable of the sower. When the seed is first sown, the enemy comes against it because we have to get it while it's seed if once it becomes rooted, once it becomes rooted, then we have trouble. We have to get it while it's seed. People know this about, about that. That's why, there are so, that's why I always warn you about the news media. Because the news media is constantly trying to implant seeds. And if they get those seeds to grow, if those seeds will get to grow, Boy, would that be something else. And that's what they try and do. They try and get us to, to buy into things, to accept certain things, and then the, the seeds begin to grow on the inside of us, and they make sure you know nobody else is giving out anything else but this, so they guard it. We have to take the Word of God when it's a seedling and make sure we nurture it. Don't let other stuff come in and pull that out. But as soon as the devil sees that we've been given new Word, new understanding, new revelation into any topic... He immediately wants to come and destroy that. He immediately wants to come and work on that. I've got to get that out of that person. Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 20. Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is const- what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you." Huh. Guard what was committed to your trust. When you have been given new revelation, when God has allowed you to see into the Word of God more than you saw before, when, when understanding has been granted, guard it. Don't let other stuff come around and corrupt it. Guard it. Because stuff wants to come around and corrupt it. Don't let it become corrupted. Now, God gave this to me. I'm not letting other stuff come in and corrupt this. I'm going to guard it. It was given to me. It was entrusted to me. It's for my life. It's for what I need now. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing that some have strayed concerning the faith. We don't want to make sure we don't stray. Stay with it. Keep walking. Once God has given you understanding the Word of God and you're always in... I love this folks in this church because you guys are always in the Word. You're always digging. You're always asking questions. You're always pressing in to get more. And God gives you more. And when it comes, you guard it. No this is what the Word of God is saying. This is what revelation came to me. You guard it. You protect it. You keep it. Put this in your outline. A decision reached apart from the Word. A decision reached apart from the Word. When the woman makes this decision, it is the decision that she reaches apart from the Word. She doesn't make it with the Word. She makes it Apart from the Word. This is what the Word of God said. Has God really said that? You think that's really going to happen? Touch it. Teen and die. It's a decision based on circumstances. I think I gave you that. Now understand this. To every decision, good or bad. How many of y'all know we make good decisions? And we make bad decisions. To everyone, a good decision or a bad decision, there are results. There are harvests, there are results, there are consequences, there are things that come as the basis of that decision. If we make a good decision, generally it's good results. Generally. Not always. If we make a bad decision, generally it's bad results, but not always. Sometimes, and it's true, people make bad decisions and get good results. And sometimes people make good decisions and get bad results. But that does not mean the decision to do what you did was good or bad based on the results. You cannot decide on the results whether the decision was good or bad. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, good result or bad result? Bad result on a good decision. When his buddies were thrown into the fiery furnace, good result or bad result? Bad result. But it was a good decision. Just because you make a good decision does not mean you will have a good result. But in the end, it will be better. You can make a bad decision and have a good result for a while, but it will catch up with you. But generally, good decisions have good results and bad decisions have bad results. Well, the eyes of both of them were open. They weren't open before opened as far as they could see that they were naked. Now they had to cover themselves up. Thus the forerunners to Macy's and (laughs) Sears and J.C. Penney didn't need them back then. And they hid themselves from God. They never hid themselves from God before. That's not such a good result. But they hid themselves from God. So the eyes of both of them were open, verse 7, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. I wonder what they sewed them together with. I mean, really, there's no sewing before this. Somehow they figured out how to sew. I still haven't figured it out, but they did. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The Lord already knows what's going on. But He's never had to find these guys before. They always found Him. They'd heard hear Him coming. And they came on over. The Lord God called Adam and said, Where are you? Now, I understand if you're hiding, why in the world do you call out? Yeah, If you're hiding... You don't want to be seen. And he calls out, where are you? I'm over here. Right here. Why are you hiding? They already covered themselves up. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you would not eat from? He wants them to confess. Confession is good. Who told you that you were naked? Now, he knows and no one told him because both people that are in the garden are present. (laughs) They're all all there. Everyone's here. Adam, here. Eve, here. Alright, we're all here. Ain't too much else you got to do. Who told you? There's no other who's. This is it. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded that you not eat? Now, again, God already knows all this. He watched the whole thing. Saw it all happen. But he's trying to show Adam the progression of things here. And the man said, Yep, I did it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't quite go that way. He? he decided to go another way. The woman who you gave to be with me, remember, it's your idea. Wasn't my idea. It was your idea. If you hadn't done this, we'd be fine right now. Just be you and me walking in the garden. Now I'm over here hiding with her. So you think about that before you punish me. You gave her. The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? Adam's probably saying, Yeah, go get her. <laughs> he bought it. <laughs> go get her. Yeah, they didn't have buses back then, so. <laughs> didn't have buses though. <laughs> what is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So he. She threw him on bus. Threw the bus. Yeah. <laughs> this practice has been in business for a long time, yes, hasn't it? <laughs> so the Lord God said to the serpent, because now there's no one left. You know, that's why people, everyone should have a dog. Everyone should have a dog, because then there's no one left. It's a dog. The dog did it. And the dog will just sit there and look at you. It's okay. Yeah, sure, I did it. Whatever. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> So the Lord God said to the serpent because you have done this you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel now this curse is put upon the serpent but who did the tempting? Satan. Any? Mm-hmm. Satan is what? Is Satan a serpent? No. Satan is an archangel. As far as we can tell from the Word of God, he was either the only archangel and Michael was elevated to be one. Or, there were two archangels, maybe more, but we only know of Michael and Lucifer who ever mentioned as sitting in the seat of an archangel. He was an archangel. Angels are not changelings. They do not change into other forms. They do not take possessions of other bodies. An angel is an angel. Always is an angel. Always appears as an angel. Never appears as anything else. There has never yet been an angel that appeared as a donkey. An angel has not appeared as a lion. The Word of God even tells us that some of you may entertain angels unaware because angels look like people. They look like men. They don't have to change into one. They look like one. They don't change their appearance. So how is it that the serpent's involved? Now, it's not that the curse comes on the serpents. If the devil had changed himself into the shape of a serpent, why would the serpents get blamed? And why would they have to endure a curse? We didn't do it. We're over here mind our own business. He took our shape. We didn't ask him to. The only way that the serpent, the curse come upon the serpent is that the serpent was involved? Somehow, Satan and the serpent came into an agreement. And it may be how Satan got into the garden to begin with. Don't know exactly all the details on that. But the curse is on the serpent. This is a serpent curse. This is not a devil curse. This is a serpent curse. On your belly you will crawl, and you'll eat dust. Now, let me just, before we get on to the rest of this, let me just show you an interesting verse of Scripture. <clears throat> and this is over in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 25. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. When does that happen? In the millennium. The lion shall eat straw like the ox in the millennium, which means they're no longer, no longer eating other things. And dust shall be the serpent's food. Do you notice that everything changes for every other animal except for the serpent? The serpent, the curse that is on the serpent still stays during the millennial reign. Even though it comes off of the other animals. But it still stays on the serpent. Folks, the serpent somehow was involved in this. And I don't know that we can find out all his involvement until we get the inside story. But that's something you can meditate on and figure out. But the curse comes on the serpent. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this part's talking about the devil, Satan. That the devil will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is who? Jesus. Everyone else is called the seed of man. But Jesus is called the seed of the woman. Bypassing the uh, fallen nature by not being born of the seed of man. That is where the sin nature is passed on through. Not through the woman. Because it's Adam's sin that brought us into the fall. Not Eve's. Eve's sin brought her into a fall. Adam's sin brought us all into a fall. So the seed, the fallen seed, is passed on through Adam, not through Eve. So what God has to do is have the seed come through the woman, which is why Jesus was born of a virgin. And why you should never let anyone take that away from you, because it is crucial to the plan of salvation. And God put it in plan here. Way back here, he had the whole thing measured out. You shall bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. In other words, you'll inflict a wound, but he'll recover. But you won't. That was the curse on the serpent. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now there are many people who want to say, Well, we're set free from the curse of the law and so forth, and we've been healed, and so women can give birth without pain. And those poor women grow up in churches like that, go out and have a baby and find out, dog gone, that hurt. That hurt. And they're all all these men, theologians are standing around saying, You're just not a woman of faith. If you were a woman of faith, that'd be painless. Yeah, right. Except that the curse that she's under has nothing to do with the curse we were set free from. Mm, amen. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now I've heard a lot of people talk about this verse but it really seems the one that has always set with me about the most is that God said that in the woman... She would, he would put, or not he would put that, but the fallen nature would put a desire in the woman to rule the roost. But he is in the position to rule. Now, how many women do you know that are not satisfied with a husband who's the head of the house? And we got the women's movement and all this sort of stuff. Now, God has not said that the man is superior to the woman. He just said the man is supposed to take some of this guarding thing, and some of the stuff for keeping the house and and so forth he's that's where it stops. Buck stops with him. he used to rule over this doesn't mean that let be, it become corrupted, and the man stands up there like a dictator because we have the the New Testament how the man is supposed to watch over the woman and care for the woman and and love the woman just as Christ loved the church he's supposed to do so that's the uh the, the partys supposed to follow. But what this is depicting here is a battle that would rage. Make sure you stay away from that battle. That battle is part of the curse. Don't get involved with that. Anyway, we're not here to teach about all that sort of stuff, just to get into the beginning of it. And to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed. Now understand, most of the, Jesus addresses the man more than all the rest. He addresses the the man, it takes verse 17, 18, and 19. When he addresses the woman, it takes 16. When he addresses the serpent, it takes 14 and 15. Then he said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. What was he supposed to heed? Voice of God. And have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. What did He command them? To not touch it? No. Just don't eat it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Not for the women's. The reason we have weeds, the reason we have trouble growing crops sometimes is not because of the women's sin, sin, it's because of Adam's. Cursed is the ground for your sake. and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground from out of it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. So any woman who's ever been involved in a group of people that try and put upon them their faith is not strong enough and uh as long as they have pain in childbirth, I ought to point to them, Why are you working?
1: <laughs>
0: Why do you have weeds in your lawn? How come? Come on, if you're some super spiritual person, you should say the word and all the weeds should die. No more weeds. In fact, I should never see another weed show up in your grass ever. <clears throat> Not how it happens, is it? Now isn't it kinda interesting how we pick and choose which ones of these curses we want to have? <laughs> Stick around, and which you can't pick and choose. These have been declared. This is what what's going on until God takes it away. And apparently, He's not taking the one on the serpent off uh, anytime soon that we know of. The serpent won't go back to the way it was. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. I guess it's better than the woman. Because up to now, he's been calling her the woman, the woman. The woman. The woman you gave me. The woman she gave me. He's always the woman. Now she's Eve. I don't know why he waited until now to give her a name. name. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Because, of, of course, he had to make sacrifice for their sin. Took the uh, skin from that. Made him some clothes. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Again, we see the plurality of God. To know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So we're no longer he's in a garden where everything's planted and growing. No, you get out there. You plant your own stuff. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden in a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. What was the purpose of the angel and the sword? To guard the tree of life. It was not to guard the garden. It was to guard the tree. The tree was in the garden. But the only purpose of it was to guard the tree. God could care less that they were in the Garden of Eden. There was nothing magical about the Garden of Eden. There was something special about the tree of life. And the Word of God says, that they said, if he eats it, he will live forever. And the only way that there can be redemption is if there is death. And if man had eaten of the tree of life and lived forever, there would be no chance of redemption. So God said, we can't have that. We want to redeem man and bring him out of the sin. So let's put an angel on there and guard it. Now, where is that angel today? Well, we don't have time to go back all the way through it again, but if we went through the millennial part, millennial uh, kingdom, do you remember where the tree of life is established now? The tree of life is in heaven. And the tree of life will be brought back down to earth, which means it's not here now. And if the tree of life is not here, we don't need the angel to guard it. The angel only guarded the tree of life until the tree of life was removed. At which point the angel could be removed from the guard because there was nothing magical about the garden. There was only something special about the tree of life. And God had to make sure that they did not eat it. Because it could have gotten into the realm of man. And you know Satan would have been there. If he was there to get them to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what do you think he's saying now? Oh, you're going to die? Get on over there and eat of the tree of life. <laughs> get to the other tree. Then you'll live forever. And Adam and Eve, knowing that he lied before, would have said, get behind me, liar. <laughs> no, more than likely, they probably would have bought into it. And God says, I can't trust that they will not buy into this guy's lies again. Guard it till we remove it. Now, let's take care of their new home, get them in a new setting. And think. God is not out there working against them. He's trying to work for them. We need to get them out of the garden. We need to get them established in what they're going to do. And then we'll come on back here and we'll take care of the tree of life. And they moved the tree of life, took it out of the garden at that point. Now we did, did a study on it before. If you were, I think most of you were here for that. To show you where the, the Garden of Eden was located. Because you can get a pretty good idea of where that is. And really seems like the area of Israel is the... Main part of where the Garden of Eden was. And surely this has been the place where God has called His name, called His. Jerusalem has been a special place. We might get up there and find out that in Jerusalem was the location of the Tree of Life. Might find that out. I don't know, but that's where it's going to be later on. It's going to come back down there to be watered by that river that comes out of there. So these are the results of the the curse. These are the results of their decision. This is what comes down upon them because they did not guard what they were supposed to guard. Well, making decisions based on a desire for instead of by prayer and supplication removes the guard. Don't let the guard be removed. Don't make decisions because you have a desire for something. How hard that is. How many times have we been in a place and all of a sudden, we didn't have a desire yesterday, but now I've got a desire. And we want to make decisions based out of that desire. Don't, don't do that. You know, I didn't know that car existed before. <gasps> Look at that car. Oh, what I could do with that car. Oh, I could see myself driving that car. And I have that desire that comes up and I begin to make a decision based on that desire. Or we go into the pet store and we see the puppy dog. (laughs) Oh, I have a desire for a puppy dog. Oh, look at that puppy Look how cute. And I'm making a decision out of a desire. Not out of prayer and supplication. Make decisions out of prayer and supplication. Get that to be your norm. Just always. There's always time. There's always time. If you were going to run into something urgent, it was God's responsibility to alert you to it. I sometimes go back to God. God, this can't be urgent because You didn't alert me. You didn't tell me ahead of time so I could pray ahead of time. I'm not going to be moved by an urgency. I don't believe that this is an urgency because You didn't tell me about it ahead of time. I still have time to make this decision by prayer and supplication. Be careful about making decisions on desire. Make them by prayer and supplication. Father God, we thank You for the things You can show us from the fall of man to the situations that we face on a regular basis. So much tries to get us into that urgency. You must make a decision now. You will lose out if you do not do this. Father, we want to hang on to Your Word. What You have commanded us in Your Word is the most important thing. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us to see through all the lies, to see the truth of Your Word, to know people will come to try and corrupt the Word that we've been receiving. But we are to hang on. We are to guard it. We are to keep it. We are not to let it falter. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.